Lord, as we gather this morning, we thank you for the opportunity we have uh, to do so online. seems strange to say that, Lord, but you are sovereign even over these things. And so, Lord, we thank you um, and, and want to exalt you this morning as the good, gracious, merciful Father that you are. Lord, uh, we uh, hope that through this medium we can see saints edified and equipped for the work of ministry, even as we think of how we might serve um, those in our flock and in our community um, in this time, these strange times. Uh, Lord, may we be equipped today, even with just truth that we can share with others and encourage others with. And certainly, Lord, we would pray that uh, we would have opportunity in these times to evangelize the lost. Lord, we think of our country this morning. We think of our leaders, um, our community and political leaders, our health officials, doctors, nurses, hospital staff, as they seek to help the most vulnerable to this virus, as well as those from our assembly who are most vulnerable to this virus. Lord, we trust you. We trust that you are going to um, bring glory for yourself through this and good to your saints through this. And we're unaware, we're not sure of how that's going to work. But Lord, we trust you. Lord, um, we confess with the scriptures of Matthew 3, 17, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 7, 1 Timothy 2, 5, Romans 5, 6 through 11, Philippians 2, 5 through 11, and Hebrews 1, 3, and the saints of old, that Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God, is the divinely appointed mediator between God and man, having taken up upon himself a human nature, yet without sin. He perfectly fulfilled the law, suffered and died upon the cross for the salvation of sinners. He was buried and rose again the third day and ascended to his Father, at whose right hand he ever lives to make intercession for his people. He is the only mediator, the prophet, priest, and king of the church, and sovereign of the universe. Lord, this we confess. Lord, this morning I want to pray for all the Bible-believing churches of our city and the metropolitan area as they seek to minister to those in their flock with this current situation. And I pray for our missionaries here and around the globe as they are certainly ministering in the midst of this as well. Lord, I do pray that now as we study your word, you would help us, uh, guide us, that your spirit would illuminate our hearts and our minds to these truths and help us to make application to them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, certainly, uh, this is a different kind of a setup this morning. And so I'm streaming from home. So if you hear a dog bark or if a cat happens to jump up in the middle of the stream and uh, move across the camera, I apologize for that. We're doing our best to... Uh, uh, to keep things sane around here. But if you're able to, would you take your Bibles and turn to Psalm 46? I wanted us to take a break from the Gospel of John this morning and look at this really important passage about God as our refuge. God as our refuge. So if you would turn with me to Psalm 46. The Psalms can span the swath of emotion. At times, uh, you wonder if the psalmist has any trust in God at all. And at times, you see the greatness of God and the psalmist trusts in God, displayed in beautiful word pictures. The latter is the case in our text today. It is a psalm that magnifies God's character and calls the congregation to trust in the Lord and in his strength. Would you follow along as I read this psalm? I'm reading from the ESV this morning. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the psalmist writes, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. 
God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Yahweh of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord Yahweh, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. So important, church. Listen to this. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Yahweh of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This psalm is made most famous by Martin Luther in the song, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. In his commentary on this psalm, Steve Lawson recalls the events which may have led to Luther writing this psalm. It is said that when a plague hit Wittenberg, Luther's hometown, that most of the people fled. Yet Martin and his wife, Katie, decided to stay and help the sick. In so doing, it was well known that they too might contract the disease and indeed had put their whole family at risk. It is known that his son did in fact contract the disease and it is said that it is the darkest time, in this darkest time, I'm sorry, Luther penned a mighty fortress is our God, a commentary on Psalm 46. Though we are thankful for the writing of this hymn, we may not always realize the turmoil of when such a hymn was written and the need to appreciate the trust that Luther had in the midst of this trial that is reflected in the writing of it. Dear ones, we are not certain of the circumstances surrounding the psalm itself, though its tone is one of praise and trust in the Lord. It could be uh, that the psalmist was facing or had faced something very traumatic. Although I believe it in times where life is just humming along fine, that we could find ourselves lacking in trust in God, that those are the times when we need to remember that all is not always well in the world. I believe most of us in Western culture would find we trust ourselves in these times, actually, due to our abundance of resources, that we would find ourselves trusting in God. And so today, this is a call, as we study this together, to trust God, to trust his plan, to trust his character, that he is faithful, and that we would respond in faithfulness to him. We need to look into our hearts and determine the kind of trust we have in God, and the trials and the triumphs we need to trust God. Here's the main point this morning. Because God is our refuge, we should not fear. Our hearts can be glad and we can live in wonder of him who is with us. Let me say that again. Because God is our refuge, we should not fear. Our hearts can be glad and we can live in wonder of him who is with us. Verse 1 serves as a foundation for the rest of what the psalmist lays out in this psalm. This is the thesis statement of his poem, and our heart should rest in the truth that is found within it. First, we see this in verse 1. God is. God is. If these were the only words here, we would know that this is true. God is. And certainly, the psalmist is seeking to describe something about God, but we need to remember that theological truth, the isness of God, the aseity of God, that God is self-sufficient, that God is eternal, that he has never lacked anything, that he is in total and utter control of all things. Um, our God is, uh, in, in theology we call this simplicity. Uh, God is not made up of parts. God is. He is Father, Son, and Spirit. And uh, though there are three persons, there is one being. 
God is and always has been. And so we can trust him. Uh, Romans 1 tells us that by the very heavens and earth God, that God has created, mankind cannot but know that God is, that that natural law explains to us that God exists. But we as Bible-believing Christians understand more of, not in totality, the fullness of this simplicity of God. He has presented himself as one who is ever existing. Uh, that word that the psalmist uses, Yahweh, I am, the ever existing one. So regardless of what man may do or say, the word of God proclaims that God is known through creation as Romans 1 and Psalm 19 tells us, and that man is without excuse. But for the believer who knows God because he has been known by God, through Christ, the truth of God existing becomes a rock and foundation for them as the psalmist proclaims this in verse 1. Let's look at it again. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. This is the foundation. Everything else that he says after this is based on this truth that God is and that God is our refuge and he is our very present help in trouble. Can we hold on to that this morning, saints? Can we trust that this morning? That God is and that he is our refuge, that he is our foundation, that he is our very present help in time of trouble. The believer knows God because he's been known by God through Christ. And this is our foundation. So having laid that foundation, the psalmist now gives three responses to this great truth. Three responses that uh, the children of Israel would sing about because the Psalms are songs that they would have sung. And the confidence that we can have in these truths for believers today. Number one is this, because God is our refuge, we will not fear. Because God is our refuge, we will not fear. Uh, look at verses 2 and 3. Therefore, because of this truth of God being a refuge, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. I don't know about the rest of you, um, but I've never really been in the midst of anything like what we're facing currently. I know that there have been other times when we've had pandemics like this, but all the signs show that this virus travels fast and at this point at least has caused more concern than any other in recent history. However, we have seen in recent years some pretty overwhelming natural disasters and have literally seen the earth be moved by some of them. Many of you will recall that the earthquake and subsequent tsunami in Japan in 2011 that happened. In that event, it is estimated that the earth shifted 25 centimeters on its axis and that the main island of Japan shifted 2.4 meters. Can you imagine a force so strong that it can do that? More than that, we know the horrifically devastating effects that it had on people, the people of Japan. One year after the tsunami, it is estimated that 19,000 people lost their lives. 1.2 million buildings were damaged, not to mention the meltdown of a nuclear reactor. And 57, uh, I'm sorry, $574 billion worth of damage was done. Can you imagine, as the psalmist is saying here, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved in the heart of the sea, though the waters roar and foam, and that's what we see in that event that happened in Japan, that very thing, the earth literally shifted. Can you imagine saying in the midst of that, we shall not fear, I will not fear? We assume that the psalmist is using hyperbole to describe the heights at which 
we can become fearful. And he is using this as the backdrop to the kind of trust that we need to have in the refuge and strength of our God. He says, we will not fear. You know, fear is one of the base emotions that we have. Other than feeling it, it is an emotion that is hard to describe. Here it seems to carry the idea of being terrified of a situation. And, and certainly, uh, we don't want to invoke terror or panic at this time because of what we're facing currently in our country. Uh, we are seeking to be um, careful to love our neighbors well, hence the not gathering this morning. Uh, but let's be honest, there is a certain amount of fear surrounding this. And uh, that's a real emotion. It's not something that we need to discount. Um, perhaps we need to be careful about not getting into hysteria um, like uh, we have maybe seen in, in some of the stores and, and this kind of thing, sort of the overreaction. But, but fear is a natural reaction. And so uh, to that, he, he's not saying uh, we're not going to fear but he's saying that our fear should be tempered by who God is, that he is our refuge, that as we recall who God is and what he has done for us and that he is in control and that foundation of him being our refuge and strength, that we are to not fear. To one degree or another, we all understand fear. Here the psalmist is telling us that because God is our refuge, we should not fear, even in the midst of what would seem to us to be the world crashing in around us. So many times I believe when the world is crashing around us, we seek our own man-made solution rather than looking to God who is our strength and our refuge. You may ask, how do I do that when I cannot see him? Well, dear ones, this is why we open God's word and this is why we pray. Do we think that crying out to God in our greatest time of need is of no benefit? If you cried out to God to save your soul from his wrath and eternal condemnation, what could possibly be too big for God? This doesn't mean that he will answer us according to our plans, but in the crying out, we recognize that his plan and purposes are much bigger than us, and yet he reaches down and cares for us. And so we know that whatever his hand causes or allows, we can trust him. He is our refuge and our strength. God will one day cause all of this to happen in a worldwide catastrophic way, to be quite honest. It is our trust in his strength that we uh, will have removed us from that time eventually. Why should we not trust him now? And why should we ultimately fear? The psalmist asks us to consider this with the word Selah. I forgot to uh, say that word when I was reading through the text, but Selah, consider this. Consider this truth. Rest upon it. Meditate upon it. God is our refuge and strength. He is our help. Right now, right now, saint, he is our help. So we ought to be able to cry out to him as our refuge and our strength. Though the earth gives way, though mountains may crumble into the sea, we rest in that. The psalmist continues in the next verses in our second point, because God is our refuge, we will be glad and not shaken. We will be glad and not shaken. What? Wonderful truth, and yet maybe difficult for us to grasp this morning. But listen to what he says in verses 4 through 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. <clears throat> she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. And he utters his voice. The earth melts. 
The Lord Yahweh of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Notice that though the earth moves, the city of God shall not be shaken. I'll try to say that three times really fast. Shall not be shaken. Those of us who dwell in the presence of the Lord can be glad that it is God who is in control of all of these events. This is our God in the midst of his city. And and right now, that's a spiritual city. We're awaiting to enter into that actual city of God. But right now, we as believers are that city. And and, and the Lord is in the midst of us. And yes, uh, that counts for the local assembly uh, at Fellowship Bible Church. And that counts for the local assembly at Living Hope Community Church. I see my brother Art George is uh, listening to this. Uh, And all the uh, Bible-believing, Bible-preaching churches, certainly that is true. But even as we think about the universal church, God is in our midst. And his city is not shaken. Those of us who dwell in the presence of the Lord can be glad that it is God who is at the center of the city. It's interesting that the two times in the psalm that we see the terms, the Lord of hosts is with us, is here. Uh, the Lord Yahweh, the great I am is with us. The truth that we know is that Emmanuel, God with us, meant that God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, creator of the universe, would make his dwelling among us. Uh, so we not only, uh, from the perspective of the psalmist, see the coming of Messiah, we actually, as New Testament, New Covenant believers, are able to look back and see that God actually did come and dwell among us. And we have that hope in his life, death, and resurrection, that we too, once again, will dwell with God in the true and final city whose foundations are the triune God where we will dwell, dear ones, forever in his presence. So even if the earth is shaken and and we lose our lives, what happens? We go to the city of God. We are in his midst. Though the nations may rage, it says, against God and his servant, the fortress of God will not be shaken. This is reminiscent. I have to think that the psalmist here is thinking of Psalm chapter 2, or at least the truth of Psalm chapter 2. Let's just turn there really quickly. Keep your finger in Psalm 46 and turn over to Psalm 2 and just listen to this psalm. Listen to the truth that that is here in Psalm 2. Excuse me. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord Yahweh and against his anointed or his servant, anointed servant, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath. And terrifying them in their fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. There's that city again. I will tell of the decree. The Lord Yahweh said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron, and dash them into pieces like a potter's vessel. That's, that's the coming judgment. I mean, we in one sense can see that the fall has brought judgment upon the earth and we're dealing with the, out, uh, 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 the fallout of that even today with what we're dealing with. Uh, but a, but, a, but a, a more strict and permanent judgment is coming. So what does the psalmist go on to say in Psalm 2 here in verse 10? Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Listen to this. 
Kiss the son, lest he be angry and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take, guess what the word is? Refuge in him. That's the call to the unbeliever to submit to the son of God and to take refuge in him. What does the psalmist in Psalm 46 say? That the believer already finds a refuge in the Lord. What a wonderful truth. So we see our fortress is the dwelling place of God who came to dwell among us. How fearful uh, are we when we know our defender is in our midst? I'm reminded of Daniel whose enemies tried to use his trust in God against him. They could not come up with anything against his character. So they had to use his obedience to God as a way to entrap him. You remember that as they uh, knew that he would pray daily to his God. He was in captivity. He was away from the city of God. And yet, even though he longed for the city of God, he would point his face towards Jerusalem and pray daily. And they had to, they had to use his trust in God against him. And they threw him into a lion's den, hoping that he would perish. And of course he could have, but God was his strength in the midst of that. And we think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and, and their trust in God and their unwillingness to bow to the idols and how God rescued them in the midst. God didn't promise that he would necessarily save them from the fire. They said, uh, even if he doesn't, um, he will rescue us. They understood that even if he did not save them from the fire, he would save them through the fire. So we see that we should not fear for God is our refuge and our strength and he is in our midst and we are glad and are not shaken. Those who are in Christ, though we may struggle, though we may suffer, though we may fear from time to time, uh, we ultimately come back to the truth of the gospel that God has won the ultimate victory over sin and death through Christ's perfect life, death and resurrection. Listen to how Paul reminds us of this in Romans 8, 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies, who is to condemn. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now listen, saints, listen, you know this, you've heard it before, but as we think about what's going on right now, listen to this truth. Listen to what it says. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are all being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, and all these things that could potentially happen to us, including death, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you hear that, saints? Do you take rest in that today? Nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. You say, well, Jason, what about this virus? That's scary. Certainly it is. And certainly many will die as a result of this. Many who are already in weakened conditions may die because of this, will die because of this. Many Christians, many people who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ will die. But does that separate us from the love of Christ? 
Uh, what does Paul say in Philippians chapter 1? I, I can't decide which is better, uh, to live or to die, but to live is Christ and to die is gain. Our truth, the truth, of, not our truth, the truth, uh, the truth of the gospel that we depend on is that our lives are in his hands and our eternity is in his hands. And if we have trusted in Christ, whom have we to fear? We can fear those who can take and kill the body, but rather we ought to fear the one who can kill both body and soul. And what does the passage go on to say? It is Christ who has died for us. Therefore, we are his. We are his. Christ is our comfort if we are in him. So we first saw that because God is our refuge, we will not fear in verses 2 and 3. And then that because God is our refuge, we will be glad and not shaken in verses 4 through 7. Lastly, we see in our third point in verses 8 through 11, because God is our refuge, we will behold his works and exalt his name. Read it again with me. Come, behold the works of the Lord Yahweh, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Yahweh of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What is one of the ways we continue to trust in God? We look back at what he has done and wait expectantly for what he has promised to do and therefore will do. All that God permits to happen now in disasters and in pandemics is but a foreshadowing of what he will do in the end to make all things right. Notice verses 8 and 9. Come, behold the works of the Lord Yahweh, how he has brought desolations on the earth, how he makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. There is no enemy of God that will not that, that he will not destroy. There is no mocker of God who will not go unpunished. Listen to the words of 2 Peter 3, 10 through 14. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, in light of all of these things, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and at peace. We must remember that we were those enemies of God. But as those who are now his own, in light of what will happen, Peter asks us to be the kind of people we should be. So we are waiting. Even though in the waiting we may suffer at the hand of those who will persecute us or by the next disaster. Keep that in mind. I mean, how many years has it been since the last pandemic? Uh, This one certainly seems to have a, a greater scale. But, you know, once we get past this, what's next? Dear ones, we trust in the Lord and in his sovereign plan. So we're waiting. And the psalmist recognizes this. He recalls the word of the Lord. Look at what it says. Be still and know that I am God. 
I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. We need to be still and know that he is God today, dear ones. Because what is the ultimate goal? He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. No matter who wants to blame God for this or say, where was God or uh, where is your God in the midst of these kinds of events? He tells us, be still. Know that I am God. This is all happening ultimately for the exaltation of God. This is all happening for his name to be exalted. There will not be anyone who cannot say when the judgment comes, God did not tell me, God did not exist. They will see him and they will better see the crucified and risen son of God. And they will know, they will know. And his name will be exalted. And this is being done for our good, dear ones as well. There is a time in the midst of all the turmoil, we must sit quietly and reflect on who God is and what he has done and what he promises to do. And ultimately remember that God is with us and for us. The Lord of hosts, it says, the Lord Yahweh of hosts, verse 11, is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We come back to that foundational truth. God is, and that is our foundation. He is our refuge. He is our fortress, even in the midst of these kinds of turmoil. In the midst of the storm, are you seeking God as your refuge? Or are you running to other things like your own strength? We must run to him. Maybe you're watching this this morning and you're not sure what to think about all of what's going on in our world today. For the first time, you've come face to face with the reality of your mortality. Don't let this moment of clarity pass you by. Death is something that all of us face. COVID-19 may only take a few percentages of our population, but death takes us all. The author of Hebrews says that it is appointed for man to die once and then there is a judgment. The only way to be able to stand justified at that judgment is through the life and death of another. The Lord Jesus Christ lived a perfect life that we could never live, perfectly obeying all of God's law, and he died the death that we deserve, taking the wrath of God upon himself. And then three days later, he rose again, showing victory over sin and death. No one will escape death, but we either then enter into eternal life through Christ or into eternal death because we rejected him. I call to you today, I plead with you, repent, turn from your sins and trust in Christ alone. If you are one who is in Christ, we are reminded today, dear saint, that God is your refuge. He is my refuge and our very present help. We need to trust him in the midst of uncertainty and maybe this is an opportunity for us to be reminded again of how trustworthy he is. Run to his word, run to him in prayer, see how good he is and do not be afraid. Reach out to one another even in this time and reassure one another with truth and prayer from God's word. He will deliver us from illness or through it. What better place can there be than to be with him if he were to call us home. In the meantime, let's love him with all of our heart, souls, mind, and strength and love our neighbor in the midst of these kinds of events, even risking our own lives to bring the truth of the gospel to them as we serve them. Would you pray with me, saints? Lord, it has been a joy this morning to open your word, to be reminded of these great truths. Lord, I pray for those who may be watching this morning and do not know you. I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they would hear the truth of the gospel and that you would take their heart of stone away and replace it with a heart of flesh. And for those of us who do know you, Lord, we thank you that you are our refuge and strength. And whether you 
uh, Lord, rescue us from illness or bring us into your presence through illness or through something else, Lord, we need to find you as trustworthy because you are. We don't make you trustworthy, Lord, you are. And you <clears throat> make those promises to us. So we praise you and thank you today. We thank you most of all for the Lord Jesus Christ, for his perfect life, death, and resurrection. Lord, may we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And may we serve our neighbors as we have opportunity. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.